wherever you are at. Uh, just two announcements uh, before we uh, jump right into the word today. Our first announcement is uh, Pastor Eric uh, did receive the majority vote. Uh, yes, as the lead pastor. If you don't know, we've been going through a lead pastor search uh, for many months, and Pastor Eric has been, uh, been going through that process, uh, but there was a majority vote. Uh, on a future date, we'll, receive, we'll have a uh, installation service, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, second announcement is next week. Beginning next week, we're going to be having uh, in-person service, uh, limited numbers, of course, with safety guidelines. Uh, all that good stuff and details are on our website, but what's really important uh, is you need to RSVP every single person that's going to be attending uh, because we need an exact headcount. Uh, and we will open up that RSVP on Mondays at 9 a.m., every Monday at 9 a.m., uh, and it'll be open for two services, 9.30 and 11.30, uh, for 50 people for each service. Uh, we're not opening up our kids just yet, uh, but we plan on doing that in the coming weeks. Well, with that, we've been going through a series uh, called The Ascension, which is looking at the 40 days after uh, Jesus uh, goes to heaven and comes back uh, and the ministry that he has here. And Pastor Eric has been uh, guiding us and teaching us through this series. And I have the privilege today uh, just to pick up in our third week. And today we're going to be reading from uh, the book of John, uh, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19. And I'm going to read uh, the passage today wherever you're at. If you want to rise to your feet, I'm going to read from the ESV version. And after I'm done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. You'll say, uh, thanks be to God, uh, be seated. And then I'll open us up with a quick word of prayer. It's John 21, 15 to 19. It says, uh, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young and you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he had said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated, and let me just open us up with a word of prayer. God, uh, we just thank you for being uh, so good and so generous. And uh, as we are listening to your word today, uh, use me to uh, really speak truth and to glorify you. And I ask, Lord, that your spirit uh, just work in uh, the lives and the hearts of our church, uh, wherever uh, they are tuning in at, God. We thank you, and we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. A couple years ago, uh, our family had the privilege to get our first house, and we were so excited. Uh, but we wanted to do some renovations. Uh, and to save money, we did a lot of these renovations ourselves. And so uh, I remember just uh, tearing out the carpet, uh, ripping out cabinets, uh, and even breaking down some walls. And there's actually this area in our uh, dining room uh, where uh, the, the drywall kind of juts down from the ceiling. And uh, we wanted to get rid of it, so it's just kind of more open. Uh, and I remember just kind of breaking it down. Uh, and I broke, it, broke down a few pieces, and I looked up, and there were these pipes 
Uh, and uh, it just kept breaking down because I was like, well, let's see how far this goes. Uh, but uh, the pipes ran out throughout the whole thing, and uh, this was a terrible idea. I found that out later on. Uh, I, I you know, texted some pictures, and I looked up online. Uh, these were heating and water pipes, uh, and they're really difficult and expensive to kind of move around. And so uh, uh, just, you know, I was supposed to patch it back up. And so uh, I began, you know, patching it back up with drywall, you know, which is what our, our walls are made of. Uh, but the thing is, uh, patching up drywall and doing a good job is an art. You have to be really good. It's actually really hard. It's not just putting it you know, up. And I did a terrible job, and um, I actually kind of ruined the whole thing. Uh, and and uh, I just had to break it back down and hire somebody to fix it. Uh, the reason I'm telling you this uh, is maybe, uh, you know, if you're like me, you've broken some things in your life. Uh, you know, maybe it was a pencil, right, <laughs> if you still use a pencil. Or maybe uh, it's a cell phone. I think a lot of people these days have broken their cell phones, whether you've dropped it on the ground or uh, just dropped it in uh, just some water. Um, or, or maybe it's something a little bit uh, deeper and it's not a physical object. Maybe uh, you, know, you've, you have a broken relationship with your family, uh, a broken relationship with your dad or your mom. Or, or maybe that broken thing is a broken dream. Uh, whatever it is, uh, life is full of uh, broken things, right? Life is full of broken things. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, like from our, our very soul to, uh, you know, to our fingertips, uh, you know, breaking things and seeing and, and feeling brokenness is, is part of the human experience. And uh, today I'm going to be talking about a person who is just extremely broken. And a lot of you guys are familiar with him. And that guy's name is Peter. Now, Peter was uh, one of the most uh, faithful and ardent followers of Jesus. Uh, you know, he was the one that actually professed Jesus as Christ. Uh, he was the first disciple, and yet he was just so uh, broken. He was so broken. But I think uh, that in order to follow Christ and to be his disciple, we actually need to become broken. And I think that's actually where discipleship comes from. It comes from this place of brokenness. And so our first point today, if you're taking notes, is uh, discipleship comes from a place of brokenness. It comes from a place of brokenness. Now, brokenness is simply a failure. Uh, it's an imperfection. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's broken. Now, take, for instance, uh, this sign. This sign doesn't make any sense. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, take, for instance, uh, this, this medication for, for a dog. If you have pets and you've ever gotten prescription medication, uh, take a look at what it says. It says, may cause drowsiness. Alcohol may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a car or uh, dangerous machinery. It's broken. That's not, they're not supposed to put that kind of sign. It doesn't make any sense. Something's broken when it's not working properly. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, the Bible is full of broken people, just to name a few. And Moses, he couldn't speak. Abraham, he was old. Joseph, he was abused and sold into uh, slavery. Uh, Jacob, he, he was a cheater. Job, he lost everything. Rahab, she was a prostitute. And Jonah, he ran away from God. And in our passage today, Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. Let's take a look at Peter. Let me tell you a little bit about Peter. Peter, you know, he came from a, a small fishing village uh, called Bethsaida. He had a fishing business. He ran with 
uh, John and, and James, and he was called one day to follow Jesus. And so he drops everything and he follows him. He was faithful. Peter, you know, was the first one to profess that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Lord, our Savior. He was the one that, that actually cut off the soldier's ear because he didn't want them to take him away. He was strong. He was impulsive, outspoken. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. His nickname was The Rock, the pillar of the church. And yet he was so broken. He was broken because he failed Jesus so many times. Here, here's a list of just some of Peter's failures. Peter misinterprets Jesus' parables time and time again. Peter is selfish. He's the one uh, that asks Jesus, which one of the disciples are going to be the greatest? He wanted to be the greatest. He was the one that, although he walked on water, he actually fell because he had fear. He had doubts. And finally, perhaps this is the most disappointing of all, is he's the one that denied Jesus three times. You know, take a look at Luke 22, 54 to 56. This is when he denies uh, Jesus three times. It says, Then they seized him, this is Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they enkindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, this man also was with him. You see, they seized Jesus and Peter, he's just following from a distance, right? He doesn't want to be seen. And, and, and I imagine he just has uh, like a hood on uh, because he doesn't want people to recognize him. And then uh, look what happens. This little teenager uh, comes up and says, hey, you're the guy who was with them. And Peter's like, no, you don't, I wasn't with them at all. And then another person comes and he denies it. And a third time he denies it. Now imagine uh, that this person, you know, Jesus has been with Peter for years now, spent life, broke bread, did all these things. Uh, Peter loved him. And, and imagine uh, that you saw somebody that you loved that was bloodied, broken, bruised, and you just denied them and say, I don't know them. That, that would be terrible. And, and, and look what it says in, in, in verse 62 of Luke. It says, he went outside and he wept bitterly. Peter wept bitterly because of this. Now, Peter was a guy. Like when I read about Peter, he's, he's a guy's guy. And it, in my experience, uh, you know, kind of tough guys, they don't really cry that much. And in fact, uh, I, I don't think it's you know, socially acceptable as much for uh, guys to cry unless uh, it's for a few, there's a few reasons. Uh, one reason is uh, if there's a death, right? If, if somebody dies or something dies, then, then it's acceptable for a guy to cry or, uh, or when they get married. Uh, it's just such a, you know, a magical, powerful day. And this is uh, the women that you love. Uh, or, uh, you know, when, when your child is born, right? A lot of dads have cried. Uh, in other words, guys can't really cry unless it's over something uh, serious. It's got to be really important. Well, there's one other area where uh, I think actually guys, uh, guys can cry, where society says uh, it's okay to cry. And that's the area of sports. You know, I remember in uh, 2014 uh, when the Seahawks played uh, the Packers. It was this crazy game. Uh, uh, you know, they were trailing behind up until the fourth quarter. Uh, there's three minutes left, and, and the score was uh, 19 and uh, three or, or, or four. Um, 
And basically, uh, the Packers were winning, and there was no really hope. And uh, but. It was a crazy game, and they, and they made it through all these series of events. Uh, there were crazy events. You could look it up. Uh, uh, they beat uh, the Packers in overtime, and everyone was just celebrating. And at the very end, uh, you see this image of Russell Wilson, uh, and he's just crying because he's just overjoyed because uh, there was this sense of, oh, my gosh, I didn't think we were going to win. There was no hope, uh, but they made it, and, and, and he wept. But then there's this other type of crying where, where in sports after this difficult defeat, because a year later, uh, the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl and they lost against the Patriots. It was a terrible loss. And I read this article uh, where my favorite player, uh, the coach, Pete Carroll, uh, he actually shares uh, that he, he, he cried. He cried two days after uh, because that's when the reality hit. Uh, he was frustrated. He was angry. He was disappointed. He was sad. He failed the team. He failed his players. And so it says he actually cried. Now, when you look at our passage and you see uh, that Peter, this is the kind of story that Peter comes from. Uh, he, he cried. And you might not think, well, that's not a big deal. Like, Jesus is going to forgive him. Right? But the thing is, you got to understand about Peter is he valued loyalty the most. He valued loyalty the most. That's what he valued. You know, something we all value uh, is money, right? Sure, there's warnings in the Bible uh, about money, but uh, we can all agree that money is a valuable thing that we need uh, to live. You know, recently, uh, I saw that the value of uh, Bitcoin uh, reached somewhere around fifty-five dollars to $65,000, something like that. Uh, you know, imagine... Uh, that you purchased $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in 2011. Back then, it was worth $1. And so if you did that, today you would have uh, you know, 60, around $60 million. It would be crazy. Imagine what you could do uh, to help out your family, uh, help out the church, uh, you know, take care of your kids, uh, take care of your parents. Now imagine this. Imagine you just lost it all in one day. Uh, you, whether it's a bad call or, 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 I don't know, somebody stole it, you know, whatever. Imagine that you lost it all in one day. Like, what would your reaction be? You would be sad, you would be angry, you would be frustrated, and you might even cry. And that's a taste of the feeling that, that Peter has because he values loyalty so much. You see, he spent three years with Jesus. He ate with them. You know, they did, they did life together. He built up this, this capital, this trust. Hey, I'm one of Jesus' disciples. And then in one day, in one moment, he lost it all. He lost it all. You know, if you're big into uh, the Enneagram personality assessment, I think Peter, Peter was a six. Uh, and a six is a loyalist. And what a loyalist values is they, they value trust, friendship, you see, a loyalist is a type of person that will see you through the most difficult situation. It's that friend uh, that will stick with you even when you're wrong. Like they'll go down with the ship, even if they know you're wrong. Hey, I'm going to go down with you. And so for Peter, this is what he valued. He was committed to Jesus. And yet uh, in, in Peter's mind, when Jesus needed him the most, Peter wasn't there for him. He failed him. He jumped ship. And this is why he was so broken. This is why he wept. And with all of this in mind, 
This is our setting for our passage when he sees Jesus again for the first time. Now, this is our setting. Jesus is alive. He comes back from death, and before departing and returning to heaven, he needs to commission his men back into the field. Uh, they had work to do, and, and what's interesting uh, is he begins all of this with, with a meal. It begins with a meal, and you know the, the New Testament church actually begins right here uh, with this interaction. It began with breakfast. Isn't it interesting that that's how it all began? Uh, in other words, uh, our religion begins with hospitality in a very practical way. This friendship, this meal, this breakfast that these men had with each other. Isn't that interesting? Uh, another thing is, what's interesting is that some people actually really criticized Peter and said, well, you know, he went back to fishing because in our scene, he's fishing and he sees Jesus from afar. He went back to, you know, what he knew. Uh, it's like that friend. Uh, I don't know if you have that friend who, who was just really on fire for something. You know, maybe, maybe it was Jesus and uh, they were so passionate, but then they just, you know, life happened and they went back to what they knew. You see, I think a lot of people paint Peter in that light, but I actually don't think that that's what happened. I don't think Peter's fire faded away. I think Peter was fishing before he saw Jesus on the shore uh, just to kill time. Because Peter was a guy, right? And guys need stuff to do. They can't sit for too long. They, they can't just talk about you know, things. They got you know, to do something. I don't think Peter actually lost faith. I think he was just in this period of waiting. And so he decides to go fishing. And then he sees Jesus from afar. It says about 100, meter, 100 yards out, he jumps into the water because he sees him and he's just so excited. And, and he swims and he uh, just meets Jesus. And you imagine uh, these other men. Uh, it says that they caught 100 and, 153 fish. It's just this heavy boat that they have to take. And they have to row and they say, oh, look, there goes Peter. He's rowing by himself. He's, he just dropped everything, and, and he's making us do all the work. Just imagine how excited Peter was, and he gets to the beach. He sees Jesus, and then uh, Jesus, all these men, Peter, they have this beautiful breakfast, but nobody's really talking, and it's actually sort of awkward. There's this awkward silence, because you got to imagine Jesus just rose from the, from the grave, and, uh, you know, it's these men who just kind of fell away. They're not really sure what to do or what to say. Like, I wouldn't know what to say. But imagine Peter. He's just waiting in this conversation. The last interaction they had, Peter denied him. Peter denied him. And, and it's just this awkward, you know, this moment. And, and maybe, you know, when, when he denied him, they actually locked eyes uh, because it says he was trailing from a distance, right? And Jesus knew that Peter failed him. Peter knew that he failed Jesus. And Peter just, he wanted this moment where he wanted to tell Jesus, look, I'm sorry, I know what I did. And Peter's just broken. And, and Jesus invites him into this beautiful conversation. Look, if you're listening and you're feeling broken today, you know, whatever that is, and you're questioning, you know, whether you're actually even a disciple of Christ, you know, maybe you're, you're battling some deep things. Maybe you're battling a deep depression, and you're just feeling, hey, if I was really following Christ, why do I feel this way? Something is just broken. Look, whatever that is, what I love about Peter's story is that even the most broken people, 
can follow Jesus too. And he calls them to follow him. Even the most broken person can follow Jesus. And you actually need to be broken in order to be restored, which is the second point, uh, which is a disciple. Discipleship comes from a place of restoration. It comes from a place of restoration. In other words, you need to be broken in order to be restored. Because when you're truly broken, what you're saying is this. I can't do this on my own. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I cannot do this on my own. What you're saying is this. I need you, Jesus. When you're broken, you become humble because that's what humility is. You know, I, I can't do this on my own. And that's actually when restoration begins. And restoration begins with humility. Jesus, you know better than me. Jesus, you're in control. I can't do this on my own. You see, for Peter, outwardly, he was a strong guy, right? He was a man of action, but he was actually a, a coward, right? This teenager uh, calls him out and, and he denies him. And now it's up to Jesus to finish his work in Peter. And, and Jesus restores him. And that is such great news because what he's saying is this. Each of us will deny Christ. Each of us will deny him. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We're going to sin. We're going to deny him. We're going to disbelieve. We're going to fall away. And yet what Jesus does is he seeks us out, just like he did for Peter. And he restores him. He validates him. And he reinstates him as a disciple. And I love that he does it in our passage in just such a public way in front of all these other men. And we know that he restores him because he trusts him to feed his sheep. You know, look with me at verse 15. This is the interaction. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is the heart of the matter. We don't need to complicate things. Christianity is just about this. It's just this simple question. And the question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's it. I think we complicate Christianity too much. But the question is, do you love Jesus? See, in our passage, Jesus cooks breakfast for Peter. And he looks him in the eyes and he says, do you love me? And Peter says, I do. And Jesus says, great, you're going you're gonna to do some things then. You see, because biblical love isn't just a feeling, it's an action. And so if you're sitting there and you're listening and you say, and, and you call yourself a Christian and you say that you love God, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you're saying that, but there's also this challenge because we got to do things. And in our passage, it says that we have to pastor the sheep. We have to pastor, we have to love them. In other words, 
I'm not the only pastor at our church. Pastor Eric is not the only pastor at our church. If you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? What Jesus is saying is you're called into ministry too. He tells Peter, hey, if you love me, you're going to do some things. You're going you're to feed my sheep. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're going to pastor my people. You're called to take care of my people. You're going to teach them scripture. You're going to have food with them. You're going to break bread with them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to walk with them. You're going to do life with them. You're going to love them. And he says it in a very, and he shows it and says it in a very practical way. And he tells Peter, hey, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, take care of my people. Be a pastor. But it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. you know, I, I'm so glad uh, Pastor Eric, uh, you know, will become the next lead pastor uh, of our church. You know, I've known him for a long time. I've known him for a long time. And uh, he is a man who loves church and he loves God's people. He loves God. Uh, he's a man of character. You know, but at the very beginning of this process, uh, I had this very this candid conversation with him uh, because I really care for him. And uh, I just wanted to know, hey, and, and I told him, and this is in my backyard, I said, hey, Eric, what, what's going to happen if uh, you, you don't get like the majority vote or like what, what's going to happen if uh, the church actually doesn't want you to be the lead pastor? Uh, and, and there was just this moment of, uh, you know, silence. And he just said, well, it's going to suck. It's going to be tough. Um, but then he, he said, I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here until they find somebody uh, that can take, you know, that could be the next lead pastor. And I said, that's crazy. That's crazy because I know it, it takes a minimum of six to 12 months to find a good lead pastor. And that's a minimum. That's a fast timeline. And, and so I, I said, you're going to put your family, your profession you're going to put all these things, you're not that young. You're going to put all these things on hold for a church that doesn't even want you? I said, that's crazy. And fortunately, you know, that, that's not the case, and I could say that today. But at the time, I said, that is crazy. And I'm telling you this because as Christians, we're all called to make sacrifices. As Christians, we're called to be pastors. And as pastors, we're all called to make sacrifices because feeding sheep isn't easy. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a pastor, but it's actually going to cost you. It's going to cost you so many things. It's going to cost you your ambition because guess what? Being a Christian doesn't mean you're going to go to the best school, get a good job, be a developer or whatever people you know, strive to be. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to make a ton of money. In fact, being a Christian means you're going to give more money. You know, our elders, they, they work 40, 50, 60 hours. They have families. And then on top of that, they come and serve the church. And they, they don't get money. They actually give money. So you know they're not in it for the money. You're gonna, you're, it's going to cost you your reputation if you're a Christian. Now, I know in the tech world, it's a little bit of a taboo uh, being a Christian or saying that you're a Christian, right? It's going to cost your reputation. You know, for Peter in our passage, his failure, his denial of Jesus uh, was recorded in all four of the Gospels as a warning. Peter was once known for his strength, for his faith, but, but his reputation was ruined and it was recorded. And ultimately, following Jesus, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Because guess what? Feeding sheep, it's not easy. Guess what? Not all sheep, they want to eat and they're going to bite you back sometimes. 
And, and so the question is, you know, if we love Christ, you know, are we willing to do this? And if so, how are you feeding his sheep? You know, it's not enough just to say that we're Christians. It's not enough just to have head knowledge. We have to live it out. We can't just think right. We have to live right. We have to love our neighbors. You can't just keep Christianity just all bottled up. What, what Jesus is saying is we have to feed his sheep. We have to love his people. And how you love is extremely important. I think this day and age, how you love is extremely important. And I remember when uh, they first announced the, the coronavirus, uh, the COVID vaccine. Uh, and I was uh, just really excited because I wanted uh, my parents to get the vaccine. Uh, I actually didn't think that I was going to get it for a long time, but I, I, I did. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated, you know, praise God. But I remember when they first announced uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer. Uh, and, and they said uh, that this vaccine, uh, it's actually what our body needs to fight off uh, the coronavirus. This is what our body needs to fight off the coronavirus. Uh, but after they said that, they said, well, it has to be delivered at sub-zero temperatures. And I thought that was, you know, interesting. I was like, oh, okay, so it has to be delivered at, you know, a certain temperature. You know, what they're saying is this, you know, having the vaccine, yes, it's important, but you have to actually deliver it, you know, the right way. You know, the thing is, we, we have the vaccine we have Jesus. You know, Jesus has shown us his love. But how we deliver it to others is equally as important. You know, it, it, it can't be cold, calloused, without understanding. Then we missed it. You know, loving others, shepherding others needs to come at the right temperature. And that temperature, it's love, it's grace, it's humility. And it's going to cost you. You know, if, if you're coming to church and tuning in and you're asking the question, if I follow Jesus, what's that going to get me? Will I be healthier? Will I be happy? Will I be, you know, more rich? None of that. That's not what I read in the Bible. It's actually going to cost you. Because when you follow Jesus, you'll experience difficulty. You'll be broken. It'll cost you everything. For Peter, it says it right here, it says he'll be, he'll die. And history tells us that Peter was actually crucified years later in Rome. So why follow Jesus? And that answer is also simple. It's, it's because he loves you. And it's not this, you know, I love you, just a feeling of love. It's a love with action. It's a love that was demonstrated on the cross because it says, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us so that we can be with him. He showed us his greatest love uh, by, by laying down his life for us. And if you feel broken today, there's hope because Jesus loves you. And he was the first one that was broken. His body was broken on the cross for our sins. And unlike any other religion, he doesn't just tell us to do stuff. He goes ahead first and he does it himself. He experiences the pain, the brokenness, the suffering. He takes the first step. Jesus was broken so that we can be restored. And the thing is, the thing is, normally, when something is broken, in our world, when something is broken, you just throw it out. You just throw it out. 
And you might be thinking, you know, Kenny, you don't know me. You don't know my past. You know, I can't follow Jesus. You're saying I'm a pastor? <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. The thing is, God uses the broken. He uses the broken. Like, have you, have you looked at scripture? Have you looked at how Jesus did ministry and his mission? You know, Jesus was just grabbing people left and right that had no business within the church. He was grabbing tax collectors, prostitutes, uneducated men, and just say, hey, look, follow me. The lowest of the low in society, those that fell away, those that were judged, those that were broken. Why? Well, Revelation says that he wanted to make all things right. He wants to make all things new. See, God looks at something that's broken, and he doesn't just throw it away. He, he says, hey, look, I love you. I'm going to fix you. And not only that, I'm going to make you new. I'm going to restore you. And in fact, that thing that you used to want to struggle with, I'm going to use that to minister to other people, to heal other people. And we see this time and time again that Jesus uses what was once broken, meets you in the brokenness, and restores you back whole. See, if you're not a Christian today and you're tuning in uh, and you, you feel this brokenness uh, and you're tired and you've just been trying to fix yourself, I want you to know you're in good company. And the good news is, but the good news is, Jesus meets us in this brokenness just like he did uh, with Peter. And now if you're thinking, you know, I'm too broken, you don't know me, that's not the God that I know. The God I know loves broken people, restores broken people through his love, through his grace. And if you've tried everything, trying to fix yourself, trying to do all these right things, and it's not working, guess what? I know a God who is able to do that and more, to restore you, to heal you. And we would love to show you who that God is. And so if you have courage, if that's you, please let us know. Click on the I Commit My Life to Jesus button. Reach out to us, whatever that is, because what's at stake is restoration, but also eternity, salvation. And we want you to experience the love, joy, hope, peace, freedom that comes with believing and following Christ. Now, after Peter was restored, he was a different man. He once was this prideful you know, guy who was loudmouthed. He cut off you know, uh, the soldier's ear. He, he fell under pressure. He was a coward that fell away from Jesus. But after he was restored, we actually see what he, he became. We see it in the book of Acts. It tells us of his transformation. You would have never guessed that one day, you know, God would have used uh, Peter, this, this fisherman, to preach to the masses. It says that 3,000 men, 3,000 people came to accept Christ. 3,000. Peter used this guy, or Jesus used this guy who was just so broken. He brought him to repentance. He restored him. He called him to follow him, to feed his sheep. Peter was faithful, and Jesus used all of this past to expand his kingdom and restored Peter. And, and the question is, if you are a follower of Jesus, the question is, will you follow him as well? Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for uh, being a God who restores those that are broken because if we're honest, 
uh, with ourselves, we are just so broken. We're broken, God, because um, of things that are out of our control. We're broken because of sin. We're broken because we're just tired and we need you now more than ever, Lord. So we ask, Lord Father, that you remind us of this hope, that remind us that we are restored, not because of our abilities, but because of your abilities. And in that, Lord, we are so encouraged. We have this hope, this joy, and we're able to do such great things because of this, Lord. We thank you. We love you. And we pray in your son's name. Amen. We're going to end uh, with the benediction. Uh, and a benediction is really just a good word just to encourage you, to empower you, uh, to live out your faith uh, this week. Uh, and, I, and I pray uh, that this word uh, can be an encouragement that even if you feel like uh, you're broken today, uh, Jesus restores you. Through his power, he empowers you and enables you, just like he did with, with Peter, to do just such great things. Well, hear now the benediction. May the grace and the love and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.